Hey guys, I'm Eric McLean. And I'm Kelly Gramlich. It's time to talk some ACC football. Let's go. Wednesday, everybody, and welcome into the Gramlich and McLean podcast presented by Ingalls, the official supermarket of Gramlich and McLean. And it is the Commonwealth of Virginia week here on the Gramlich and McLean podcast. You can't just say Commonwealth, Mac, because you know Kentucky is also a Commonwealth. I think there's, I think there's four or maybe five in the well, at least in the ACC. Yeah, yeah, that's right. We only have two and yeah, one and a yeah. half. One and a half. We don't have both of the of the other one uh, that's there in Kentucky. But our guy Mike Barber is back, and uh, we're talking yeah. about the Who's today. Uh, all things Virginia. Little bit up and down. You know, we're we're going to be real. We're going to be real talking about the the Who's and and just what they can do forward. I think there is some flashy points though. We we kind of hit on that with uh, our good friend Mike here. So real quick, a message from our friends over at Ingles, and then we jump into all things Virginia. It's time to discover the convenience and time savings of contact-free pickup with Ingalls Curbside. Just visit shop.ingalls-markets.com or download the app. And your Ingalls personal shopper gets to work with specialized training on how to select the freshest items for a pre-scheduled pickup. They'll even text you with updates. You pull up to a designated space and your personal shopper delivers your items right to your vehicle. Fresh, fast, and affordable. It's all in the bag. Ingalls. Low prices. Love the savings. Mike Barber back with us to talk a little UVA, man. We've got the whole Commonwealth covered with you, brother. We appreciate you joining us. Uh, excited to talk about the Who's today because th- this is a team I-, I went back and forth like all year long because they were so close, like a lot, and especially at the beginning of that season, even to in Tennessee, game one. I mean, there was a point in the game where you're like, what are we doing? Virginia, what, what are you doing here? Are you going to make something crazy? And then the, the volunteers kind of separate a little bit. If you could sum up 23 for UVA, what, what would that have been? Yeah, I, I, it's a good question. I, I think the way I describe it is emotionally exhausting. Um, and, and I mean that on and off the field, you know, everything they had been through coming back, almost any game they played, there was some tie-in, um, you know, to last year's tragedy. And okay, this is the anniversary of this or somebody's birthday or there was some emotional. And then you have a team that loses five games by a touchdown or less. Those are emotional. There was just so much of that. And um, I think regardless of what the record was, I think everybody would have got to the end of the season and felt a little emotionally drained. Uh, That's the best way to describe it. And I think that weight will be lessened in the coming year. And it's one of the things that I think will help Tony Elliott kind of get a little bit of a footing, which has been hard for him to do so far. I agree. I think that's a perfect way to put it, Mike. And look, no coach has ever dealt with this where especially this kind of tragedy, obviously, but involving players on your own team and then it being your first year, it's just, it's unbelievable. So when we look at the season as a whole, though, as you guys have mentioned, so many close games, the JMU game at the beginning of the year, NC State, you know, that was a crazy close game. Boston College, the North Carolina game, though, which shocked us all, which I don't know if it should because UNC always finds a way to do this, but whatever. (laughs) Um, What did we learn from about this program, maybe about their culture from the UNC game. Yeah, and we'll do it with the caveat that I thought Drake May was off that day. And there yeah, were a yeah, of for throws sure. On their first two possessions that might have changed that storyline. But your point is spot on, right? Virginia comes out in a game that 
Nobody thinks they're going to win. Carolina had packed the place with recruits because why not? What a, what a great time to say, like, hey, watch us drill this team in our conference. Um, and Virginia came out with, with a lot of resolve, right? Um, a confidence that I'm not quite sure where it came from because, you know, um, Al Groh, who used to coach Virginia, always talked about demonstrated performance. You get your confidence from demonstrated performance. There hadn't been a lot of good demonstrated performance, but these guys came out really confident. And you could tell individually and as a team, everybody wanted to make a play to change the game. And, you know, I think about Malik Washington's score late where it's just a broken play and, and Calandria kind of scrambles away. And you're just hoping he throws it away or gets a couple yards and he dumps it to Washington. Okay, you get four yards and he starts breaking touch tackles and ends up in the end zone. That play to me embodied what that day was. It was every play guys bought into the old coaching line of, hey, you don't know what play is going to change the game. So be ready on every snap. Virginia really was ready on every snap and had guys who wanted to be the difference makers. Yeah, and, and that's was it, it was something where again we talk about the closeness just being right there in the floodgates, just open that game with the way they're running the ball, the way the defense was playing, getting after the quarterback, uh, doing all these things that you're just like, this is amazing, and to do it on the road against a top ten team. I mean, it's just it's bizarre to look at that. Let's dive into some of these players because when you look at Malik Washington and the things that he was able to do, I mean, it was just – it was amazing because everyone in the, the stadium knew this is the guy and you just couldn't stop him. What he did, what he did for Virginia, you know, kind of in that one year to, to build on you know his resume, to me, was was nothing short of amazing. It really was. And, and you know, high school running back, and, and that's sort of how they used him, right? Like, let's just get the ball to him and let's see what he can do. And he had toughness that kind of belied his size. He's not the biggest guy. Um, he's kind of a soft-spoken guy. He's he's kind of sensitive. I think at one point I had tweeted something about – it was complimentary. You know, what a great year he was having. And I said that, you know, he had never had a 100-yard game at Northwestern or whatever the stat was. And I was wrong by – two yards, there, there had been a game that he had gotten to it, and he immediately like tweeted back like, oh, I guess this game doesn't count. And It was just a funny personality because on the field, he insensitive, he's, he's tough as nails. And um, he brought a work ethic, he brought a maturity that I think this team needed, um, and he brought that will, and that play kind of embodies it, but there were so many plays like that where, you know, it, it could just be a catch, or it could just be nothing, you know, keeping it from being an interception. And he turned it into more. And, and that I thought that was infectious for the whole team in terms of you know, second effort. And, you know, his yards after the catch were astronomical. And a lot of them were, and not that he's slow, because, again, I don't want him to tweet back at me again. But it's coming um, at you, bro. <laughs> right. But it, it was toughness. It was yards after the catch where he's covered. He makes a catch, and he shakes free of a guy. And, and yeah. that effort and intensity really helped this team. I feel I felt like this quarterback situation all year was so interesting. It was it was odd. Like I'm not sure that we've seen something like this before. It's not something you see every year where you start with a guy who is your guy in Tony Musket, but he gets hurt. You bring in Calandria, who is one of those no, 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 yes players, right? Like everything he does, you're thinking, no, 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 and then he makes an amazing play. You bring Musket back at some point in the year because he was able to, and then you finish with Calandria. What did you make of this quarterback situation all year? You're right. It was one of the harder ones to manage. Yeah. Because it always had the feeling that if you if you went to Calandria too, too strongly, you could never go back to Musket, right? Um, and that was kind of the fear. And then the Musket injury, in a sense, helped because you could say, well, we're not going to Calandria. Tony Musket's not all the way back. So they kind of soft shooted a little bit. 
and, and they said, okay, well, Tony's not 100%. And, and he wasn't. You know, he was hurt. And he was playing through pain. Um, he did eventually come back and gave them some real gutsy leadership. And um, you know, both guys are really popular. I think you're right with Calandria that maybe more lovable for the fans in year one than the coaching staff. Not that they don't love them, but, you know, some <laughs> of the stuff you, you do that, you know, the sports writer, the sports writer in me wants to make it the headline. And, uh, you know, the fans are losing their mind and the coaches are thinking like, <laughs> you know, maybe we check down and, and live to fight another day. And uh, yeah. he, he made a lot of critical errors. He made a lot of red zone turnovers, but he made a lot of big plays and he made a lot of plays where he kept the play alive. The biggest thing with Calandria was when they could not protect him, which was often, especially early in the year, he had a great ability to not just recognize, tuck it and run, but scramble around behind the line of scrimmage. I would say one of the most underrated scramblers in NFL history was Dan Marino because he never scrambled more than three yards, but it was the way he'd move around and keep the play alive. And I thought Calandria did a nice job of keeping his head up, not getting down to the ground and keeping plays alive, making throws downfield as opposed to just tucking and running. Yeah. And, and, and I think the, uh, it's like you got to trade it, right? The good for the bad. And, and the, the spectacular plays. I mean, I'm just looking at these stat lines here and, and him going off for 300 like it's nothing. I mean, it's just, you know, the ability is there. And, and if you can really just tune in and, you know, kind of understand, hey, listen, at this position, this ball is eight ounces of gold, 12 ounces. Like, do not give it to the other team. Do not put it in danger because his abilities are, are, are fun and it's exciting and something I think you can really build off of. What, what, is he the guy moving forward? Like, what, what do you kind of see the that position unfolding for next season? It's it's like Kelly was saying, it's fascinating because yeah. Musket was such a, a gritty leader and he played really well at times and he was never healthy. And the thing I keep coming back to is, you know, these coaches know what they're doing, right? Like they, Tony Elliott's seen some pretty good quarterback play. Like they know what they're doing. Tony Musket was the guy they picked, not out of a hat or, or not flipping a coin, like out of practices, after watching them work, it was Musket's our guy. So if we're saying Calandria is this good, well, they're telling us Musket's better because he won the job. Um, but now Calandria's got the year under his belt. And I think it's going to be one of the few times uh, in recent memory where we actually have a quarterback competition where the coaches haven't really decided, but they're not saying it because it's you know, the portal era, and, and if you decide too early, somebody's leaving. That's right. I think, That's right. Guys, yeah, I think these guys are going to legitimately compete, and then I think it's going to be not all on them. I think it's going to be the new pieces around them. Who do they fit better with? Is Tony Musket a better quarterback for Chris Tyree, the Notre Dame transfer, mm. or is Anthony Calandria? There's so much that's going to go into this decision, but it is going to be a great storyline uh, for us all spring and preseason. Yeah, it is. And I think both are two really good options, too. Like, it's it's not like you're going to be hurting with either of them. Calandria, perhaps it's just uh, for, uh, focusing on cutting down those turnovers. I think that is the, the main thing with him. But let's look at the defense here, Mike, because this defense struggled. Uh, I think that's that's safe to say. Perhaps, you know, when you look at the Virginia Tech game to end the year, that's not the taste you want in your mouth. But also the Duke game right before, that that is something that you can build on a little bit. But what did you make of this defense, and what are the main things for you that they need to improve upon in twenty four? I was shocked how bad they were. I, I really was. I mean, they did were, you did you notice me trying to be a little bit politically correct? You were way more diplomatic, and maybe I should be since I cover these guys. But but they stunk. I mean, they yeah. they, they were so good yeah. the year before, and, and they really carried the team, and they gave you hope. 
And the thought was, hey, if the offense just gets a little bit better, you know, Virginia's right. going to be respectable because of what that defense could And it didn't happen. They gave up big plays. They didn't pressure the quarterback. They didn't force turnovers. They just weren't, they weren't any good. They were a non-factor. And it was shocking to me. Um, it's interesting because we all looked at their defensive line and everything they brought back. And we thought they would be dominant. And they weren't. Teams could run the ball. They didn't pressure quarterbacks. Now a lot of those guys are coming back, and it kind of reminds me of you know 20-something years ago when I started my career and I was doing high school football, and coaches would tell me, oh, I got 11 starters back on defense. And I'd look, and they were 0-10 and, and you know gave up 6 million points. I'm like, do you want that back? But but no, I, I think Virginia's defense was the biggest disappointment of the season, and I think they will rebound. I, I think they still have some good players and some good pieces. I think they've added some pieces, and um, but they have to be better. They have to be better to be competitive. Yeah, and, and I mean, I, I think, you know, just when you look at this team and you look at the era that we're in now with the transfer portal, like you can go out and get that. You can, you can fill that need with, with people that are relatively proven uh, and not have to wait on a class to come in and, and fully develop that. W- what's your sense with how Virginia is going to look when we go into camp? Because, you know, spring's going to happen. There's going to be another portal window. Are they aggressive there? Do they have room to be aggressive there? Scholarship. A lot of people forget about that. You know, there's only so many guys you can bring in. Uh, you know, where are they kind of from a roster management? And maybe what do you expect this team to look like in August? Yeah, there's not a lot of room to wiggle. That being said, there's another chance for people to leave, <laughs> which is, you know, the, the other part of that. And, you know, you're right. It's not NFL free agency where you go out and sign whoever you want and then you make your cuts. And, you know, it, it's. This is still college athletics, and you need to honor those commitments to kids. But there will be, um, I think, some attrition after the spring. There will be some holes identified that they will hope to address. The, the question is, how do they compete in a portal era where they're not at the top when it comes to NIL? Nobody's beaten down the door to play at UVA because they're going to the national championship because they're many, many years away from that kind of a, a goal. So it's, it's what are you selling? Now, I think Tony Elliott – has a personality that sells. I think guys want to play for him. I think what they've been through translates to recruits. It really translates to parents, which is still a factor. Um, you know, the way Tony Elliott has kind of guided these guys through what they endured, you can sell that in the living room. But um, at the end of the day, it's going to be hard. They're, they're asking people to come to a team that that isn't winning, that hasn't been winning, that it's really only had one little spike under Bronco and um, it's a tough sell, but you know I think a lot of the improvements got to come guys from the young kids who who were impressive. Cam Robinson, the linebacker, um, you know he's a mistake eraser. He, he can run sideline to sideline. He's got the speed. And I, I know I feel like I've said this a hundred times, but you've got to have that guy in, in the middle of your defense who can you know make up for mistakes. There's going to be mistakes. Uh, he was really encouraging. I thought some of their young defensive backs, um, you know, their corners, really encouraging. Now I think they need a veteran corner. They might need a veteran safety. They're bringing back all their defensive line. So there are some holes to plug, but this is going to be, you know, Bronco always said it, and I think Tony Elliott understands, a developmental program. They're not going out and getting the kids who are going to be, um, you know, stars as freshmen necessarily. Certainly Cam Robinson was. But they're going to be developmental, and we're going to see what kind of a job are they doing developing these kids. Yeah, well said there. When I look at the 24 schedule, what stands out to me are the away games here at Coastal, at Notre Dame, at Virginia Tech, at Clemson, at Pitt. So if you flip that around, and at Wake Forest, sorry, you need to win your home games. You need to win, especially the winnable games at home, but home games are going to be so important for this Virginia team. Knowing that, Mike, 
What is a realistic expectation at this point for Virginia in 24? Yeah, you know, you hate to sit here in January and, and say that you think it's a four-win team, um, you know, and I don't want my neighbors knocking on the door to say what a jerk I am. But, um, you know, I, you look at that schedule, it, yeah. it's, um, and, and that's been a, a thing at Virginia football where they've got these schedules that if they were contenders, you would say that schedule gives you a chance to do something special. Think about all those years they were playing Oregon. and But if you are not very good, those schedules can bury you. And, and, and this mm-hmm. just feels a little bit to me like four or five wins is the max for these guys. And again, you, know, you guys reference, we may have a different roster when we get to the fall. We don't know. Um, maybe, you know, this development is, is more rapid. Certainly, I think year one under Tony, you almost throw out in a, in a sense. You can't throw it out. But in terms of where the development is, this feels like year two. Can they make that big jump? But yeah, I mean, if you're asking me to put money on it, this looks like a four or five win football team. Yeah. Yeah. It, it'll be interesting to see what they can do. And uh, again, the transfer portal era, can you go get some guys? If guys leave, I know there's not a lot of room. It'll be interesting uh, to, to say the least, but love coach E love what he's doing. And I uh, just hope that helps equate to wins and success on the field. Mike, you're the best. Our guy for all things, Virginia, man, really appreciate you talking about the Hokies uh, and UVA here today. And, and very grateful for your time. my man. Happy to do it. Thanks for having me guys. Mac, I think Mike Barber is tired of us at this point. He talked with the Hokie or talked with us about the Hokies on Monday, talked with us today about the Who's, and now he's like, all right, guys, give me a break. I, I can't just here. be on your podcast 24-7, 365. But we appreciate Mike Barber, and he has his own podcast. Go check that out. Follow him on Twitter. If you follow anything Virginia, Virginia Tech, you've got to be following him. And Mac, I loved his thoughts about this quarterback situation because it's going to be really interesting. And I think it could be a lot worse. Like you have Musket and Calandria. There's going to be a battle in the spring and and we think both will stay. You know, I mean, you never know these days. Sure. But I think those are two very good options. Yeah. Musket's the older guy. Musket's proven in a lot of ways. He's maybe not as flashy. Maybe there's not as much explosiveness as Calandria. But if he can stay healthy, he's a veteran, gritty leader. And then Calandria, he has some star power right he has some quality it's just a matter of he's a little bit of a wild card yes and I I just remember watching you know that Boston College game where we got our guy Tommy Mm -hmm. uh, we got Calandria going back and forth I mean these guys uh, you know two really young exciting quarterbacks that we think you know could could really do some damage here in the ACC and the way that it ended uh, you know with the 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 big play it might even have been a touchdown I, I can't remember exactly what happened but his helmet you know, Calandria's helmet was coming off. He rips it off. I mean, he shouldn't yeah. have done that. And just stands there flexing, gets the penalty that ultimately, I mean, was was the reason that they lost the game. And, and you're just sitting there like, oh, my mm-hmm. gosh, this is crazy. Um, but that was a little bit of a, of, of a you know, world of, of how he Mike played, causes. which is just yeah. a little reckless, a little reckless, a little crazy. Uh, but, but there's some great things that happened there. So for me, KG, you know, kind of what I said with Mike, you have to understand the responsibility of that position and taking care of the football. That's the number one job of the quarterback. Do not give this thing away. Do not lose us the game. Okay. Yeah. That's the, the, the kind of responsibility that you have, but he has all the tools. I mean, he has a rocket launcher of an arm. He's quick. He can escape. I'm, I don't know if I'm really you know ready to call him quite a dual threat, uh, but the things that he can do, you know, throwing the football, the arm angles, the side throws, 
so if you can just dial that in, uh, I think you've got a guy. And then when everything you said about Tony Musket, the grit, I mean, sacrificing his body, trying to make plays, uh, the leadership qualities, just feels like a guy that, man, everybody wants to play for. Like, let's, let's like rally on him is the kind of vibe that I, that I just get there. So you're right. This situation is going to be fantastic to really follow and just see what happens in spring. And the, right. the great thing about it is when you have a competition like that, you're probably getting the best guy. Like everybody's competition or everybody's play is, I assume, going to rise because of that competition. Guys really get dialed in and how can I separate, okay? Because even if you're Calandria, your stats were better. You obviously played more games you know, because of injury and things like that. But Tony was picked. He was picked in front of you. He was deemed the starter. So I think you have a little bit of that chip on your shoulder. And same thing for Musket, looking at the stats and looking at the things he can do where both guys feel like, hey, I have to go and prove it. I have to go and continue to win this and win this team over. Right. And the turnovers, I think, for Calandria. That's going to be something he's got to cut down on. (laughs) But we will see, Mac. I I know the schedule is difficult, but – when they beat UNC last year, they proved to me that they could go knock somebody off. But the, yeah. the bottom line is you have to beat the teams you're supposed to beat. You can't lose to JMU like you did last year. You can't lose those games. So right. that's going to be the key for UVA. No, there's no question about it. Just how can you assemble? How can you get that talent? You know, really just going in the same direction. And, and you know, everything that, you know, kind of you and Mike going back and forth about that defense has to be better. Um, and let, let's just get middle of the pack. You know, I'm not asking you to be the number one defense, the number one offense in the entire right. you know conference here. Let's just get to the middle. 17 teams. It should be a little easier. There's a lot of teams you know that you can make this happen. Uh, so we'll see. Uh, but again, big shout out to Mike Barber joining us for two episodes. Uh, and that's it for the Commonwealth. We're moving on. We're going through this thing, KG. It's been a lot of fun. Appreciate you guys joining us on this journey. We need you to come over to YouTube. You've got to see this happening. We're doing some fun things. Really appreciate all your support there. Subscribe. Leave some comments. Love everybody in the chats there. It's a lot of fun to see people going back and forth. And, of course, the OGs over on Apple Podcasts. Rate, review, subscribe there as well. We would greatly appreciate that. But until next time, we'll see you all.